It's a Mailbag Friday on the podcast. We'll take a look at some of your questions about some tr possible trade targets. And could Michael Soroka return to the rotation soon? We'll discuss that on today's episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves. Your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. You can also check out the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Today's podcast will be surrounded from those questions that you have submitted there on locked on underscore Braves on Twitter. If you're new on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you're watching there, hit the thumbs up button as well on this video to help support the show. Thanks as always for making locked on Braves your first listen of each and every day. We post episodes a daily five days a week, Monday through Friday and are free and available on all platforms. Thanks so much to my everydayers out there. I haven't done a great job of keeping up with the comments on YouTube this week. I do apologize, but I will get to those. But thank you so much for everyone who continues to let me know that you are an everyday or on the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash MLB and they'll throw in a free a custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. It is a, a mailbag Friday here on Locked On Braves. We got a ton of questions to get to. Got some here in this first segment talking about possible trade targets and then in the second segment we'll talk about michael soroka and then we'll wrap things up previewing what is looking like a series between two of the hottest teams in baseball right now in the atlanta braves and cincinnati reds but let's jump into our list of questions on today's episode first one i have comes from Cavs buckeyes who says how long do you think snit keeps a lineup construction like this just my opinion, but I'm not sure Ozzy is a long-term two-hole guy and would, pre would prefer him behind a lefty. So, obviously, Cavs Buckeyes listens to this podcast and is an everydayer and knows how I feel about Ozzy in the two-hole. I don't particularly love it, and I said it even when the move happened. I thought it made sense for the time because Ozzy is hot, but Ozzy has, over his career, been a very streaky player. So, I think you have to keep an eye on that. Um, and when you see him starting to, to fade a little bit, you may have to switch things up. I know Snicker doesn't like to do that a lot, particularly at the top, but I think that has to be a fluent spot. The other problem here, and I wrote about this over at bravestoday.com, is I don't know what the right fit is in the two-hole for the Braves. I don't know that the Braves have a prototypical you know, two-hole type of hitter on this roster. Again, when Ozzy's going well, I like him there because – of the power that he brings being able to drive in Acuna with the ball in the gap. I like the speed that he offers as well behind Acuna. You get those two on the base pass, got a good chance at scoring some runs there. Uh, so, I, you know, those two things I think favor Ozzy better in the two hole for Matt Olson. You know, when he's there, I like him because he has the power and he has the on base ability. Ozzy doesn't have that on base ability. If Ozzy has a, a 320 on base, I mean, that would be, huge for where, what he's done in his career and again Ozzy does great things but you know getting on base and having a high on base percentage is not one of those 
Um, so again, I, I think both guys, if you combine the two, if you could combine Ozzy and Matt Olson, then I think maybe you would have a really good two hole hitter, but you even look at Thursday's game and Ozzy came up twice in a situation with runner at third, less than two outs and wasn't able to come through and deliver. He grounded out a short once and struck out in that 10th inning. So Again, I think you got to be careful and know when Ozzy is maybe falling back, fading a little bit, and maybe switch things up in the two-hole. But I don't know who you put in there. Let me know. Let me know in the comment section who you think is the most ideal two-hole hitter. Look, if Michael Harris, and I said this from the beginning of the year, if Michael Harris becomes the guy he was last year during his rookie season, you know, if he's that type of guy showing the power, getting on base, he has the speed, we know, I think he may be. Uh, the best fit for that two hole, but you know, after the slow start he had to the season, and now looks like he's starting to get things going a little bit. He still maybe has a little bit too much swing and miss, especially against lefties. But I think certainly against righties, you could consider putting Michael Harris in that two hole behind Ronald Acuna Jr. But I also just really love him in that nine hole hitting in front of Ronald. But Again, I don't know what the ideal guy looks like for the Braves and the two holes. So you got some other suggestions. Let me know. Next question comes from Kirby D he says, interested to hear your thoughts on a potential trade targets for the Braves. I feel they could always use another bullpen arm. And right now a starter, David Bednar or Justin Lawrence could be a great pickup for them in the pen and Jordan Montgomery for a starter. Uh, another question similar to this 2023 NL MVP, Matt Olson tweets and says, I see some trade targets being Jordan Montgomery, Hunter Harvey, uh, Jocktober. Also, we shouldn't trade away Travis Darno, in my opinion. So I know there's an article, I believe it was written by Bowden on The Athletic. I didn't read it, but I saw mention of it where he mentioned the idea of trading Travis Darno. I, I get it. Whatever. I, I have my feelings on Jim Bowden uh, as a writer, as a uh, media person. I don't typically agree with his takes. I get he was just trying to come up with somebody for every team. They're not going to trade Travis Darno. That would be the silliest thing in the world to trade Travis Darno. Not only is he a really good player and great insurance for when something, if something happens to Sean Murphy, he's also one of their biggest leaders in the clubhouse. So no, they're not trading Travis Darno. Um, now, as far as trade targets, uh, look, I'm not trying to dismiss the trade target questions right now. It's just still a little too early for me. We'll have plenty of trade talk. Once we get into July and especially around the trade deadline, we'll be talking about trade targets almost every day on here, but it's still a little too early for me. I, I do like the guys mentioned. I will say, I don't think Jack Peterson's coming back. He's making a pretty good chunk of money this year. I think the Braves would have to pay him seven or 8 million, even if they traded for him at the deadline. And obviously you'd have to give up something for that as well. And the Giants on a pretty hot, hot streak right now. I know they snapped a 10 game losing streak or 10 game winning streak the other day, but I don't think Jack Peterson's coming back. There'll be several bullpen arms. I don't even really bother looking at the bullpen arms because I know Alex Anthopoulos is going to do some digging and find some hidden gems and make some great moves there. Uh, Jordan Montgomery for the rotation. I think that's the type of guy. Uh, that the Braves are going to get. I mentioned this the other day. I don't think they're going to get, you know, Marcus Stroman. They're not going to get the guys who are at the top of the list for starting pitchers at the trade deadline, but I could see them getting a, a middle to back the rotation arm to help give them some innings down the stretch some as some insurance. I think they'll make that type of move. So I think, you know, Jordan Montgomery could be that type of target. 
Georgia sports highlights. Do you think Von Grissom will get traded in the trade deadline? So I mentioned this on a last week's mailbag episode. We talked a lot about Von Grissom and where I think, you know, he best fits and where his value is. If he'll get traded, I don't think he'll get traded unless there's a really big move done at the deadline. Uh, I hope they don't trade him because I like the depth that he provides in the organization right now. And I think the bat will play. Um, so I hope the Braves don't trade him. I wouldn't be surprised if they do, but if they did, I think it would have to be in a pretty big deal. Official reverse jinx Braves account says, what position in a trade do you think the Braves go for at the deadline? And what players do you see us having to give up to get said players? So, Again, we'll have a lot more trade talk come July, and we'll have a much clearer picture. One of the reasons I really don't want to start talking about trade targets and trade needs right now is because we need to know what they have in Max Fried and Kyle Wright first, and we really won't know that until around the All-Star break when those guys, or at least Max Fried, is making rehab starts, getting close to coming back. Say the same for Dylan Lee uh, right now. So, uh, again, I think we'll have a clearer picture in a couple of weeks of what the Braves needs are, but I would agree with what most of you are saying. I think they, they need another lockdown bullpen arm, another dominant, you know, setup type guy. Uh, and I think they need another back of the rotation starter to help with some of these innings. If perhaps some of these young guys fade or you just want to save uh, their innings and monitor their workload. So I think bullpen setup guy in the bullpen. I think it, I think it has to be a setup type guy. Um, and then a, a you know a fourth or fifth starter, I think, are the needs at the moment for the Braves at the trade deadline. What do they have to give up to get those guys? Look, let's be honest, the farm system isn't great, um, and I mean they'd have to they'd have to give up you know something of significance in what is a pretty down farm system to get you know these guys. But Alex has done a great job at the trade deadline of really giving up you know, prospects and getting good players in return, players that have maybe some upside in them and not really having to, to give up too much talent-wise in order to get them. Um, but again, I'll probably have an episode two talking about players that could be traded at the trade deadline. But honestly, there's not anybody in the system right now that isn't available in trade, in my opinion. And that's not not counting A.J. Smith-Shaver, who is now up at the big league level, obviously. Robert Mills, OPS is one of the most popular offensive stats. 1,000 is Superman, 900 is excellent, 800 is pretty good, 600 not so good. So can we have some context? Can you give us either the MLB average OPS this year so far or all of last year compared to the current Braves team OPS? So I wasn't able to quickly find the average OPS this year, but looking at last year, the Los Angeles Dodgers led the league in OPS at 775. That's team OPS. The Braves were second at 760. The A's were last at 627. The Padres were 15th at 700. So you can kind of see bottom of the barrel OPS-wise is pretty much anything under 700. Average team OPS somewhere right around 700. And then, you know, really good teams have a team OPS above, I'd say probably 730, uh, especially, you know, with the Braves what they're doing in OPS over 750. I think team-wise, that's probably what you can look at. Now, OPS Plus is a stat that gives you a better average market uh, margin or marker, sorry, because 100 is average. So obviously anything above 100 would be above average. Anything below 100 would be below average. 
Right now, the Rays lead baseball this year at a 125 OPS plus. The Braves are third at 116. The Royals are last at 85. Otani leads all players with a 168 OPS plus. Acuna is seventh at 155. So, you know, in terms of OPS plus, makes it a little easier because you know anything above 100 is you know above average. You know, really anything above one. 20 is really good all-star level then obviously anything below 100 uh, is below average and then you know anything you know, obviously in the 80 range not very good but when you're looking at it from a team perspective I think you're I think you're spot on um, it, from a player's perspective you know a thousand being Superman I mean that's where Otani is right now 900 being all-star level 800 being a really good player uh, you know Michael Harris had an OPS close under 500, uh, not too long ago, which was fourth lowest in all of baseball. Really good couple of weeks. He's now up over 700. I, I think you have a lineup like the Braves where everybody has an OPS over 700. That's really, really good. And I think that's what you're looking for uh, when you know, you're, you're seeing who should be starting in the big leagues. I think you're looking at that 700 mark for OPS to say, you know, this guy uh, you know, is being a benefit rather than a, a, a deficit at the big league level. So good question there and good topic. Hopefully that helps kind of explain things a little bit more. All right, next we got some questions coming up on Michael Soroka, who threw a one hitter on Thursday for Gwinnett. We'll discuss that and answer some of your other questions here next. Make your way to FanDuel because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. They have great promotions every day. It's a safe and secure app to use, and you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on all the Major League Baseball action this summer than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Also, visit FanDuel.com slash play safe for tools and resources to help you stay in control of the way you play. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Braves play the Reds on Friday night at 6.40 p.m. Eastern. Who will keep their win streak alive? Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. Been a really great week on the podcast. want to thank you so much for all the support, the views, the listens, and everything. It means so much to me. Had a lot of really nice comments this week as well. Thank you so much for listening. If you didn't get a chance to listen and watch those, make sure you go back and do so. Uh, again, been a great week on the podcast. Really appreciate all your, your comments, questions, everything uh, that you do to help support the show. Getting back into our mailbag questions, another one from 2023 NL MVP Matt Olson says, Riley Olson, Ozzy, and Michael Harris don't appear to be the favorites at their positions for the All-Star game. What percentage chance would you give each of them to make the team if they lost their fan vote? Um, I don't know about percentage chances, but I think Ozzy has the best case out of those three, especially if he finishes off this first half really well just because I think the second base position is pretty weak in the National League. So I think he has a very good chance to make it as a reserve, again, if he has a really good finish. I think he has the best chances out of all those. Third base, first base are just tough in general. Um, those guys obviously will have an opportunity and have the ability 
to be all-star level players, but uh, third base and first base is just really tough. So I'd say Ozzy out of those four has the best chance of making the all-star game. Coach Gordon Bombay says, who are your all-star picks for both leagues? So full disclosure here, I did not submit a bracket. I think round one just ended. I'm be honest. I don't even know how the all-star voting goes anymore. They have rounds. I'm still a little salty from the Braves losing the all-star game a couple years ago. And I really haven't even given the all-star game much attention since then. Maybe that's on me. I need to get over it, but I just don't pay a lot of attention to the all-star game anymore. Uh, I think it's cool and it's awesome. And I love the Braves fans and their support of their players and seeing them all, you know, in the top uh, of the vote getting, and that's great. Ronald getting the most votes and already in the all-star game. That's fantastic. And I'll, I'll probably, watch it i just i don't get as excited about the all-star game anymore as i used to and i don't know if that's strictly because atlanta lost the all-star game a couple years ago and i was all excited and geared up to go or it just it has lost its luster for me over the years i used to really love the all-star game when i was a kid i just don't get as excited about it anymore and maybe now it's because we just have so much access to watch all of these players every night and you know i'm i'm blessed to have the opportunity to have an mlb tv package and i can watch every team watch every player so it's not as big of a deal to see these guys all together on that all-star stage i don't know just personally for me i don't really i don't really care (laughs) that much about the all-star game so i didn't vote and, and i honestly i'm so focused on the braves now i don't get as much of a chance to watch a lot of other teams and games so i don't know that i could give a fair assessment other than just looking at stats uh, to fill out a bracket but I know a lot of you do I see your brackets on Twitter and that's great Uh, again just for me personally not that big into the all-star game anymore JP Hilly says think we see Soroka back next weekend and Schuster sent back to triple a I think Schuster's gonna have to have a couple of bad starts look you know, and I've been pretty blunt on here in saying that I think he's the fifth starter in the rotation right now. I think he'd be the first guy to go, you know, when Max Freed returns. But bottom line is he's getting it done. I mean, he's giving you five innings. He's giving you three earned or less every time out there. Could Michael Soroka give you that and maybe give you a little bit more? Possibly. I mean, it's been very encouraging what Soroka has done since going back down, but I think when you look at the analytics of it, I think there's obviously still some growth and some room there for Michael Harris. I tweeted out uh, the player breakdown from Baseball Savant after his one hitter on Thursday, and I thought the fastball location, which was big for him, uh, he got 11 whiffs on his four-seam fastball, and that was the pitch that was getting absolutely hammered uh, in his starts at the big league level. And it was a much more effective pitch for him. It looked like he was locating it much better at the top of the zone and then on the edge away from righties into lefties. I thought that was very good. The slider has always been very solid. But even in that start where he just gave up the one hit, still walked a couple batters, and the changeup was all over the place. The velocity was down on it, so the movement was down on it a little bit. So it wasn't a really effective pitch for him. And then the sinker was still... Left over the plate a little too much. That needs to be more down, and it needs to be more in, especially to righty. So, again, I think there's still room to grow for Soroka. Could he be as good as what Jared Schuster is right now? Possibly. I think so. But, again, I know they said the first time they didn't want to bring Soroka up until they felt like he was there to stay. 
even with the success he's had over the last couple of starts, again, and I haven't watched him. I'm just going based on the analytics and what I'm seeing after the fact. I still don't think he's quite there yet. I still think there's room for for growth and improvement in his game. And I know they kind of had to bring him up the first time out of necessity. That's not the case right now. If Schuster were to get shelled in a couple of starts, then maybe. But, I mean, Schuster's been getting the job done, so I don't think there's any real reason to make that change at this moment until, you know, you see Soroka, you know, continue to have better, more consistency with all of his pitches. So, again, is Soroka close? Do I think he could have success for a fourth or fifth starter at the big league level right now? Sure, but the Braves really don't have a reason to demote Jared Schuster at this moment. So, I don't think it'll be next weekend. I think it will take a couple of blow-ups from Schuster to boot him from the rotation to bring Soroka up. But I do think he could have some success, but I also think there's still some things that Soroka needs to work on. Brando asks, at this point in the season, should we start talking or taking the Marlins seriously? I definitely think you should. I talked about this earlier in the week. I can't remember if it was Monday or Tuesday. We talked about the Miami Marlins and the real threat that they pose in the NL East. Now, I don't think they're ready to challenge the Braves. I don't think they're there quite yet on a talent level, but they're beating bad teams, and that's what good teams should do. You take Thursday's game, for example. I was listening to that one. They're down 4-1 to one to the Pirates, who I know have lost nine in a row and are really you know in a rough spot after a good start in April. But they're, up, they're down 4-1 to one in the eighth inning to the, the Pirates, and then they put up five runs and end up winning that game six to four. I mean, there's just that type of momentum right now for the Marlins. Kind of the same thing with this Reds team the Braves are about to face. There's just a belief right now that they can win, and that's huge. Uh, we've seen that with this Braves team early on when they were so young, young and started winning some of these close games and having a lot of these comeback wins. There just became a belief that they can win, and I think that means a lot in a clubhouse. And you're seeing that with this Marlins team right now where uh, they just believe that they're going to win. And they're obviously getting some better production from De La Cruz, Jesus Sanchez in there as well. They could be getting Jazz Chisholm back soon. So, um, yeah, I think it's definitely time to take the, the Marlins more seriously. Do I think they really contend for the Braves with the division this year? No, but I think they're going to be right there in the mix, and I think they're definitely going to be in the mix for a wild card as well. It's a good team. They're playing like it. They're beating up on bad teams just like good teams should do. Gabriel Bonilla says, now that we are almost at the half of the season, what do you think is the weakest link at the moment? Eddie been having a great June and Ozuna is hitting bombs. So it's a great question. It's tough to answer right now because the Braves are on a big win streak and been playing a great baseball in the month of June. It's hard to say what the weak link really is. I would agree with you. I probably would have said left field before Eddie Rosario got on this run that he is currently on. But I would say offensively, there's not really a, a huge weak link at the moment. I would say the biggest the weakness on this Braves team would be in the bullpen. Um, assuming that Max Freed and Kyle Wright are going to come back healthy, or at least Max Freed, and assuming that Spencer Strider has figured some things out. If those two guys are healthy and pitching like themselves and how they're capable at the top of the rotation, then I think bullpen is the biggest concern and weakness. And I wouldn't even really call it a concern or weakness. They've been really good for the most part, but I do worry come postseason time having that dominant setup reliever, having that that Tyler Matzik, having that 
uh, Luke Jackson. Uh, A.J. Minter looks to be back to that form. Rysel Iglesias can be that and has been that for the most part. But right now, those are the two guys that maybe I trust the most in big spots that have that dominant type stuff. I think there's some regression for Nick Anderson. He's been fantastic, and he's he's still been good, but he's to me, is not that type of dominant setup guy that I think the Braves are going to need. So for me, and we're nitpicking because it's a really good team that's playing great baseball, but if I had to choose one weakness, it would be in – the setup, a setup guy for the bullpen. I think they need one more dominant reliever there, and maybe it can be Joe Jimenez, who they traded for and thought would be that. Uh, you know, if he can step up, the velocity seems to be back for him now. He just needs to command it a little bit better. There's a potential for him to become that guy. Also, maybe for Kirby Yates as well, who's been really good when he's not walking guys and giving up home runs. But I mean, honestly, Gabrielle, I don't know that there's just a glaring weakness on this team at the moment. So, again, if I had to be nitpicky, I'd probably say I want a more dominant setup guy uh, to pair with with Mentor and Iglesias. Large Lar, how many players have played every game? Do you think Snitch should give players scheduled rest? So Acuna, Albies, and Riley, Riley and Olsen have played in every game so far this season. I am somewhat shocked that Acuna hasn't gotten a day off. Uh, coming off the injuries that he had two years ago and then last year battling through all those injuries, I, I'm somewhat shocked. I don't even think he's had a game at DH this year. I, I'm a little shocked Acuna hasn't gotten a day or two off. I know it's tough. He's your best player. He is at the top of your lineup. Uh, I understand uh, the desire to put him in there every day, but I'll be honest, I'm a little shocked he hasn't gotten a break here or there. We know the Braves infield. They want to play every day. If they're healthy, they're going to play every day. It's hard to tell what taking a day off in April, June, July means for them come October. I, I don't know. I, I've gone back and forth on this over the years. I mean, does taking a day or two off in June really keep you more fresh for a game in September, October? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Does playing 154 games instead of 162 really make you that much more fresh at the end of the season? I think, I think individually a player would have to answer that and tell you that. I know last year it seemed like a lot of the Braves players ran out of gas. Now, maybe that was just mentally because it was such a struggle and strain to come back to win the division. I don't know if playing every day had much to do with that. Again, it's a, I think it's somewhat of an impossible question to answer. And I think it's probably an individual question for the player to say, and they would have to admit this, that, Hey, I need a break. I need to sit. I mean, there are off days during the season. You're going to have the all-star break coming up. I think hopefully the Braves wrap up this NL East division pretty early. And then maybe you can rest some guys and give them a break. But again, unless you have some data to show me that giving a guy a game off, you know, one or two games off in, in June and, and May that that helps their performance in September and October. It's just really hard to quantify the effectiveness of that. So it's tough. I mean, I know every team does it now, except for pretty much the Braves. They give guys rest here or there. Uh, but again, until I can see some data and some, you know, something quantifiable to say that that actually works and is effective, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is there. Kate Harrington, do you think Kirby Yates will be pitching for the Braves down the stretch and in the postseason? Uh, 
down the stretch, yes, I think he's going to be given an opportunity. And I think we've seen glimpses from Kirby Yates. But the current version of him, I don't know that you can trust in a big moment in the postseason. Um, you know, right now in a postseason game, if you needed to get through three innings, I think you're still going Matzik, Nick Anderson, Rysel Iglesias. I think those are your three guys you trust the most. Colin McHugh has been much better lately. Hopefully Dylan Lee comes back and he looks like Dylan Lee from last year. I mentioned Jimenez earlier. Maybe he can take a step forward. So I think Yates is going to get opportunities, but what I've seen so far, and especially with the walks, I don't know that I trust him yet in the postseason. And last question, this one from Corey Slovich, who says, uh, does the roster situation the Braves currently face make a deadline trade for a player like Tony Kemp any more likely, a guy who can fill the Hilliard role but also play middle infield? Um, I think that's what the Braves have tried to do in these signings, these minor league signings they've had for you know Nick Solak, uh, I think the guy they have now, Luke Williams, uh, is capable of playing multiple positions as well. Some of these utility guys they brought in, they are guys who have been able to play multiple positions all over the field. So I think the Braves will continue to target those kind of guys, but I think they already have with some of the, the depth options they have at minor league, so in the minor league level. So that they have guys who, if you if needed, could come up and play infield, outfield as well. I think it's certainly important important to have those types of guys i don't know if that's necessarily the guy they're going to look for at the deadline but uh certainly you know is a huge benefit to have somebody on your bench who can play all of those positions all right next want to talk about the series coming up between the braves and the reds the two hottest teams in all of baseball we'll discuss that here next a little bit of news from thursday i mentioned michael soroka was one out away from a seven-inning no-hitter as Gwinnett played a doubleheader on Thursday and gave up a home run, the only run of the game that he allowed. But, uh, again, more encouraging stuff from Soroka since he's gone back down. He's been really good for Gwinnett and possibly could be pushing for a return pretty soon. And then at the college level, again, the College World Series this year has just been fantastic. Every game has been close, but if you missed the LSU Wake Forest game on Thursday, I, I, go back and find a replay and watch that game. I mean, it was just incredible game to watch. The pitching between Rhett Lauder and Paul Skeens was unreal. I wish the Braves could trade up to get Paul Skeens in this draft because he looks like somebody you could plug into your rotation right now, and he would be near the top of it. Uh, you got LSU and Florida in the College World Series. Going to be a lot of great talent there. Uh, whether you just like great baseball, you want to watch and prepare for players who are going to be in Major League Baseball soon. You got some big names in there. You know, Brandon Spro, Hurston Waldrop, uh, Jack Caglione, Wyatt Langford for Florida, Dylan Cruz, Tommy White for LSU. I don't think we're going to see Paul Skeens again. Uh, they have Ty Floyd as well, a pitcher who, you know, Braves maybe could get in the second or third round. I think he's around that area of the draft. So really loved the College World Series. It's been a lot of fun. But back at the Major League level on Friday night, it's the two hottest teams in baseball. It's the Cincinnati Reds and the Atlanta Braves. The Reds are a very fun team to watch. I talked about this the other day. Ellie De La Cruz is one of the most exciting and electrifying young talents in baseball right now. So it's going to be fun to watch him. Uh, Matt McClain, another 
guy they called up this year as well has been lighting the world on fire. And then you got the old veteran and Joey Votto who just came back as well. So going to be a fun series. And on Friday night, it'll be AJ Smith Shaver versus Luke Weaver. AJ Smith Shaver, you know, same thing that really I talked about when I thought he was going to face the Phillies the other night, you know, facing a hot lineup in a hitter friendly ballpark, try to keep the ball in the yard, try to continue to build upon, you know, what I thought was a much better, performance from start one to start two not that start one was bad but I thought he was much better in start two even though he did give up uh, three runs give up a couple of homers so just want to continue to see him evolve as a pitcher and then as for the Braves get that offense going again I know it's a struggle a lot on Thursday uh, Luke Weaver had a really tough year 647 ERA and 11 starts hitters are batting 302 against him so could be an opportunity for the Braves in a hitter-friendly ballpark to get that offense going again, putting up a big number. Again, the Braves play the Reds on Friday night at 6.40 p.m. Eastern. It's A.J. Smith-Shaver versus Luke Weaver. Catch every pitch of the Braves' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Braves. That will do it for this episode of Lockdown Braves. Thanks so much for making us your first listen of each and every day. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. Follow me at Shortstop Ball. Make sure that you rate and review and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 